When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some facts. Get you some facts right Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. Thank you so much for being here with me. If you want to take a moment and just leave us a nice five-star review, give me some feedback, and maybe just go ahead and hit subscribe, we'd really appreciate that. As always, this show is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Music Network. Go check it out for all of your musical podcast needs. Today on the show, I get to chat with Molly Lakin. Molly has been a successful songwriter for five decades, starting in the early 70s. Over the next 10 years, she had her songs recorded by almost every pop and country artist on the Billboard charts. With that kind of career, she has a lot of great insight and stories, as I'm sure you can imagine, and she touches on some of those during this episode. And if you want to really dig deeper, please check out her new book, Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, which will be released August 23rd. So please join me in welcoming Molly Lakin. Molly, I am so excited to be able to talk to you. I'm The reason this podcast exists is because I'm such a massive fan of songwriting and trying to understand more about the craft. And who better to talk to than you? Not only do you have this unbelievable amount of experience with it, but you also uh, have a book that's coming out. So I can't even... I just, I'm just so grateful that you're here. How are you today? Well, I'm just fabulous. And thank you for inviting me, Corey. I'm very excited about my new book, Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age. August 23rd is when it's going to be released. It's like releasing a a record. 
like a single, supposed to drop, but who knows? So, <laughs> so we'll hope for the best. This is rock and roll. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, you've been writing songs and been around the music industry for a long time. So I'd love to know, how did you get your start? Well, it was pure chutzpah. I was a social worker. That was my day job. And I wasn't very good at it because I really didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Whenever I could, I signed out saying I was going to visit the home of one of my welfare clients. But in fact, I was going to see the music publishers in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Can you take us to what roughly... I'm roughly sorry. what can you take us to roughly what year this is just so I can get a little context? 70s. Mm-hmm. So there I am in my mini skirt with my boots, and I'd <laughs> stop somewhere and glue on my eyelashes. And I had to look like everybody in the music business, right? So my social worker clothes were in the back seat of my leaking red Volkswagen bug. And there I was at these music publishers. And my fingers were very short, Corey, so I couldn't play the guitar. Hmm. But the baritone ukulele only had four strings, and I could play that. So here I am in my mini, mini skirt with my boots and my eyelashes, carrying a baritone ukulele and knocking on doors. And they thought, who is this? What is this? Should we call security? <laughs> but my big break came when I, I got stuck at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, and I noticed there was a long line of songwriters with guitars standing in the street. And I asked them, what's that? Well, it's the Friday songwriter meeting. Everybody can come. You don't have to be a staff writer at Warner Brothers. So I just showed up. I came back every week with another song. They didn't use it, but they liked my quote-unquote spunk. And the leader of the meeting was Artie Wayne, who was vice president at Warner Music Group at the time. And all my friends were getting signed as singer-songwriters. And I wanted to be signed there, too. I didn't want to be a social worker. And believe me, the welfare department was very anxious to get rid of me. (laughs) So I just told him I turned down two staff writer gigs to work with you. And he was so flattered. He says, okay, then come sign with me. Oh, wow. The fact that there never were two other publishers urging me to sign up with them never entered into the dialogue. Well, <laughs> that's between me and God. But that's anyway, it, anyway, that's how I did it. So that's so what what gets where my head goes with this is that you. I think what separates someone from you from someone like me is having the confidence in your abilities as a songwriter 
to just go and do that kind of thing where I would just be like constantly questioning if what I'm doing is good enough. If it's, I mean, you have to kind of put yourself out there for validation at some point, but just to, I think I would just be a little bit too self-conscious to do that. Did you ever battle anything like that? Corey, the truth is I never had anywhere to go back to. So I had to move forward. And I decided this is what I'm going to do. And all people, all kinds of people said, oh, you know, go to medical school, become a lawyer. And I said, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a lawyer. I'm a songwriter. And this is what I'm here to do. And if I don't do this, there's nothing else for me. I was just so possessed with being a songwriter. And I took every class I could take. Okay. I, I listened to what people told me. When I played a song and they said, well, you know, this is wrong. Line two should go up there, down there, whatever it was. And at first I thought, what the heck do they know? And my yeah. mentor said, Molly, he's vice president of Warner Music, I'd pay attention. So thank God for my mentor. And I just learned to write songs. I hung out with all the good songwriters in LA. They taught me what a hook was. You can't have a song without a hook. You can write one, but don't expect any big success on the charts. Now, were so you kind I mean, of floating around in that Laurel Canyon scene at that time in the early 70s? I wish I could tell you I was. Okay. But I was not hanging with Carol King and Joni and the rest of them. I was driving up and down Laurel Canyon, and I was looking for them because I was sure, Corey, that they were desperate to have my 12 songs about Big Newtons. And I thought <laughs> for sure... For sure, this would change their lives. So oh, far, so far, I've kept my phone on. haven't heard back from them. Well, <laughs> there's still time. There's always still time. And your confidence doesn't waver. So I, I assume that at some point that phone call is going to come through. And Joni just kind of popped up into our... Uh... She, she did, and God bless her. What an amazing performance there at Newport over the last couple of days. I um, I adore her, and I salute her, chutzpah to heal. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody else would have just laid down and died, but not Joni Mitchell. She's yeah, that, our girl, right? She's a testament. She's a fighter. It's unbelievable what she's overcome in the last few years here. Um, what early song that you wrote is or were just a part of, is the most memorable from early on in your career and why? You mean other than I'd rather love Hitler? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. They were all stepping stones. I actually met the producer <clears throat> of the Brady Bunch records. And he, I wrote some songs for them. And that was the first time I'd ever had a song on TV. And I didn't think I'd live. I'd, I had rocks in my pockets to keep me from floating away. <laughs> Not only to be on TV, but to be paid for network performance. My God, does it get any better than that? So Brady Bunch, so talk to me about that because 
is that do they have different songs that they just plug into episodes? This is a part of the business that I'm not too familiar with. Do you have to do they give you any guidance on that or do you just submit a song and they say, "Oop, we got a spot that we can fit that in?" Well, one of the publishers into whose office I stumbled with my boots and my miniskirt, my eyelashes and my baritone ukulele was a guy named Jackie Mills. And he was producing all the songs for Paramount, which was where the Brady Bunch show was shot. He had to deal with them. So he had to find songwriters to fill up all those episodes. And you know what? In every royalty statement I've received in the last, I don't know, 40 years, that song has shown up in every single one of them. In Guam, in the People's Republic of Nothing, I don't know what they did, but that poor little, well, I shouldn't say that poor little song. You've got to love, you've got to be in love to love a love song. And now there's music coming out of It shows up, it's it's lived all this long. So is that the name of it? You've got to be in love You've to love You've got to be song? in love to love a love song. I was writing with Annette Tucker and Arthur Hamilton, who were two legends at the time. And the three of us wrote that together, but it came from my title book. I was taught early on to keep track of all your ideas in a notebook with rings around the edge so it can't fly away. And I really don't trust phones because you know what happens to data. It just disappears. It's gone forever. So I have a title book. And whenever I go to a writing session, we're trying to, what are we going to write about? What are we going to do to do? And here's a title. Oh, okay, let's do that. Did your um, methodology for songwriting change at all from when you were aspiring to do it and now you're starting to find some success in getting songs put on TV and recorded by different artists and things like that? Or did you have your methods and you just stuck to them because it's what got you there and what was working? Well, nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to love my baritone ukulele, so... I immediately switched to the keyboard. And the keyboard is a wonderful instrument because all the notes are right there in front of you. True. And most people who play guitars, and I'm not talking about the geniuses, but most people who just go to a guitar store and buy a guitar play chords. So you're getting chords, you're not getting a melody. But when you pick out the individual notes, of a melody on a keyboard, you got a melody. And the lower part of the song ideally is the verse and the higher part is the chorus. And the range is an octave and three for most people. And for those of us who don't sing, you have to stick to that. 
Otherwise, nobody's going to be able to sing your song. Yeah. So I learned that. I learned that as I went. And to this day, I always start any song with anybody with the chorus. Because you got to hit the chorus, you got something. It can only get easier in the verse and then when you add the bridge. But if you've got the verse and you say, now, God, I need a chorus, what am I going to do? Yeah. So write your chorus first. Make it easy. And, you know, I just listened this morning to the top 10 of the country songs on Billboard. Every single one of them has a killer, 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 killer chorus. And you can't not sing along. You don't have a sing-alongable chorus. These days, especially a very rhythmic one, you don't you don't got nothing. So Lincoln's yeah. laws give them what they want. I don't mean that in downgrading what you do as an artist, but they want a chorus, give them a chorus. When you're a, a megastar and you want to write endless verses of prose with no hooks at all, hallelujah! <laughs> Do it then. But if I own CBS or one of these mega companies and you come to me looking for a deal, I it's business, baby. If you don't have hooks, if you don't have hit singles, I'm not gonna sign you. Yeah. I mean Period. that's it. In the in the end it comes down to a bottom line and you have to decide am I a songwriter because I want to make a career out of this and earn a living out of it or do I want to do it for my artistic integrity? Right. Um, and there's a I'm sorry. But you know yeah, ideally we can do both at the same time. Yeah, that's what but I was going to say. I think but I think at can. a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Are there and, any major changes in the industry as a songwriter, I'm sure there are a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to just, if there's anything major from when you first got in the 70s to now, just in terms of like turning a song over to the label or an artist or anything like that, are there, is, there, is the process of getting your song from your notebook to the radio or the television, has that changed at all or has that kind of remained a template? drastically changed. Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, my new book, is all about that. Okay. What we used to do was make a little demo, piano voice, guitar voice, take it to our publisher. Publisher liked it. He'd make a demo. And I say he because in those days, everybody was a guy. He'd make a real demo and pitch it to an artist who would then go out, go on to have his or her producer make a record. Now, the songwriter has to make the whole record. And it's not fair, but that's the reality. And because so many people are intimidated by that, they go by... Um, digital audio studios, and they spend all their time trying to produce a record rather than write a song. Oh, so I say, write the song first. Start with the chorus, write the song first, and then 
go to your Pro Tools and turn it into a record. But if you're starting from the record, what do you got? You got chords. You don't, you can't hum a series of chords. You can hum a melody. True. And these days, Corey, rhythm is absolutely essential, no matter what the genre, gospel, pop, rock, everything, country, rhythm, 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 rhythm. And I, I just a half an hour ago wanted to refresh my memory on the new country songs. Every single one of them, damn, 30 seconds, there's a hit. There's the chord. Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Song Facts Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Guys, mental health is no joke. It is something that I have tried to take seriously, especially as I get older, and realize that it's not a big deal to go and try and ask for help. Because without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is really difficult. The good news is that therapy works. I can personally attest to that. I have been to several throughout my life. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated and you just want some tools to help you to get by. Well, you can find it with therapy. Whatever you need, it's time to just stop being ashamed of these normal human struggles and to start feeling better. Because you, like all of us, deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even just live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, which can be a huge plus on some of those more bummer of a days. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And now, a special offer to Song Facts podcast listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com songfacts. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash songfacts. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. So they just get right into it because you've got to, I mean, that might have to do with attention spans too. I'm wondering if that has something because you're like, we have to get these people locked into the song in these first 30 to 40 seconds. So we've got to just get them with that catchy chorus right away. Actually, it's six seconds. It's what, the really? same amount of time that you get, you give something when you're surfing the web and you're looking for tires. Hmm. And, you, and you look at a, oh, okay, I like this guy. But yeah. you give his website six seconds. It's hard to imagine, but people do not have any attention span now. We're also crazed by what's going on in the world we want this is beyond instant gratification i don't know what the correct word is but we want it now yeah yeah i mean the amount of times that i've caught myself doing that where i just like flick something off in two or three seconds and i'm like how can you really form an opinion but unfortunately, that's just the way that access to information has kind of 
developed a lot of brains of people my age and especially people younger than me. Um, why was it important for you to write this book? Because there wasn't one. There was no book about insider secrets to hit songwriting in the digital age. There are lots of books with rock stars who say write a hook, but this is the whole gamut. And I, I specifically focus on pop and new country songs where the song is the most important. Yeah. And I'm very proud of this book. I interviewed some of the biggest A-list people in the industry, including Tim Whipperman, the publisher's publisher in Nashville, who, by the way, was just promoted. I think he's got the biggest job in music in the United States. He could probably have the whole world if he wanted to leave Nashville, but he has a lovely ranch. And on Facebook, we see photos of the deer on his property and the turkeys. And it's just, it's just wonderful. But anyway, I interviewed him. I interviewed um, J.P. Sachs, whose song was, Grammy-winning song was If the World Was Ending. I interviewed a fabulous jingle writer named Jim Andron, who wrote jingles that supported him and his family for 30 years. You don't have to write songs to be in the music business. There are lots of ways to make money in the meantime. And meanwhile, you, you sharpen your songwriting chops. And you notice that in a 15 second commercial, there's no warm up. It's boom. Here's the product. Yeah. Yeah, like that's really true. Like the staples here. God help don't say you singing. can't sing. You don't say you can't sing. That was a nice little melody. No, 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 no. I'm paid extra <laughs> not to sing. Okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, the whole 15 seconds is the product, the product, the product, the product. So... Uh, anyway, this is an important book for me. I've written eight others. And uh, this one was important because there wasn't one on this subject right now. There might be probably in a few years. But I'm a passionate songwriter. I believe in craft. I want all this generation and the ones to come to learn the craft of songwriting, it seems to have gone out the window. I don't hear rhymes anymore. And that's part of the craft. And the people, I interviewed Michael Silvershire and Patty Silvershire, who have been the kings and queens of children's music, particularly at Disney. And they're the biggest songwriters since the Sherman Brothers. Okay, wow. And believe me, and Michael Silver actually told me he never pitched a song to anybody. They all came to him. Now, have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. No. Well, he did good work. He did good work. And Patty, I tell you, his writing partner, you want something done, you call Patty. It's done. You want to get so-and-so on the phone? You get Patty. She gets it done. Hmm. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Your job as a songwriter, yes, is to write the best song you can. 
But that's not it. You don't just go hire someone to pitch your songs because who knows who they are? Huh, that's really true. And I mean, that's the thing that we talk about a lot in different industries is if you're in sales, you you do sales. You don't necessarily need to worry about the accounting side of things and that kind of stuff. Hire people to do that for you. So realize what it is, where your skill set lies, and then you can focus your energy on that. It doesn't mean you don't have to hustle in the other aspects and get it figured out, but surround yourself with people who can help you really help you get to where you want to be. And the same applies in songwriting. And what's interesting to me is hearing you just talk about We've got people who just specialized in jingles, people who specialized in children's music and things like that. And there's just, when you really just think about it, there's just an endless amount of ways to enter into this industry if you're, if you feel like you've, you can fill a niche. That's right. And I tell my clients, I have personal consultations with songwriters all over the world. And I tell them, write your fingerprint. Don't try to be somebody else. We already have Taylor Swift. She's brilliant. So don't try to be her. Be you. Be you. What do you have that only you can write? Because nobody but you is you. Write that. Melody, rhythm, lyrics. You say in the book that songwriting isn't what you do, it's who you are, and that the best part of you is your sensitivity. And I'm wondering how these ideas relate to each other. Well, when I was a kid, it was always, don't be so sensitive. I never heard the end of that. Don't be so sensitive. And in fact, I do even hear it now. I get upset about stuff that you get upset about. But as songwriters, we have we are missing the top layer of our skin, and our nerves are just popping out, ready to be trampled. Right? Well, yeah. that's where the songs come from, too. You don't get a song from a guy who goes along and does the same widget job every day. He writes da 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 da. Da, 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 da. I mean, puts you to sleep. But someone who's sensitive and is in a crisis is going to write the best thing you ever heard or the saddest thing you ever heard. And as the audience, we look for the extremes. Most of us in 2022, on a scale of one to 10, we live somewhere around five or six. Everything's fine. Nothing's really terrible. When we listen to music, when we read books, play video games, go to the movies, we want to go to plus or minus 15 instantly. So don't write songs at five or six. Write the extremes. Write till you bleed. And I don't mean literally. I don't want anybody calling me up. And saying, well, yeah, I, you know, I slash different parts of my mouth. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, not literal advice, everybody. Um, I'm, I'm curious to think about the story behind, I was going through and listening to some of the songs that you've penned, and I'm, this one caught my eye, and I was, or my ear, I should say, and I'm wondering what the story is behind Walk This Path Alone. How long is how long? Where is when? 
Well, I have a very talented client, and she uh, sent me a lyric with that title, and she was looking for a melody, and we wrote the song together. And it's very sad and very beautiful and kind of hopeful, misty, and I love that song. You know, if I had to take five of them with me to heaven, and St. Peter asked me, what did I do with my life? That's one of the ones I'd play for him. Now, what is it that was going on in your life or your co-writer's life that was kind of leading to this? Because I think that this relates to the question previously of just like, you know, develop on that sensitivity and really try and get raw with your emotions. And the, the lyrics to this song and everything about it just really lead to that. And I'm just wondering if there were specific things going on that got you guys to put those words on paper. Truthfully, Corey, I'm an assignment writer and I can get into any mood I have to get into in order to complete the assignment. Almost like an actor then. Absolutely. Here's the role. Say the lines, take the direction, get off the stage. It's a role as an assignment writer. See, I don't sing. So I have to be able to do other things that some songwriters can't do. Sometimes I've, I've had clients who are singer-songwriters with gorgeous voices, but their songs tended to be a kind of all over the place and the hook wasn't really strong enough. So I'd ask them, how about changing that? Move this up, say this twice, take that out. And they wouldn't do it. They didn't know how to do it because the songs came to them, came through them. And they didn't really know the craft of songwriting. So that was as far as they could take. But I don't sing. And my advantage is, you can ask me to write a song about anything and you'll have it at the end of the day. And I talk about that in Insider Secrets to hit songwriting in the digital age. Have the most tools available on the spot so that you're in contention for all of the best assignments and gigs. Now, do you think it's, I've, I've talked to quite a few songwriters over the last couple of years doing this, and I think there is a recurring theme where people say that I was writing songs that I felt like my audience wanted to hear, and then as soon as I felt like I was writing a song that was more me is when my audience really latched onto it, and I felt like it kind of propelled me to a new <coughs> level as a songwriter or artist. And I'm wondering if that's kind of I agree of what, with that 100%. Yeah. Because you can tell when, when, uh, when you're writing a song for money, as we say. Right from your heart. Right from the deepest, deepest, deepest part of your soul. And you're a human being like all of us are. And if you, if you tap into 
the parts of yourself that are caving, that are trampled, that are joyous, that are hopeful. You're tapping into that on behalf of everybody else out there who doesn't write some, and they don't have the ability to express themselves. So that's your job to give them a chance to sing what they feel. Yeah. And that's the truth. It makes me but, think of something that's like, we're all, we all have a unique story, but all do. of our stories are relatable. So it's like, you can take your unique story and if you can express that in a way through poetry, songwriting, drawing, painting, whatever it might be, if somebody sees that who's got a similar story, not theirs is unique to them, so it's, but it's relatable to what you're saying, then they're going to be able to latch on to that and better grasp the idea that you're you're getting behind and i think that that's i think audiences can really gravitate towards authenticity and i think people lose sight of that a lot of times i agree be real and um there was a songwriter named mac davis who was punning on the idea of having hooks in a song and his publisher kept saying you need a hook mac you need a hook And so as a joke, he wrote a song called Baby, Baby, Don't Get Hooked on Me. And son of a gun, the thing was a hit. So it defied everything that he was going for. But he is such a good songwriter, he could write a song about a fingernail and it would be a hit. Hmm. Do you think that that's just the way that his use of words? No, I think he was very clever. He knew how to write a hook. And he was already so famous. So he could, have, he could have written three minutes of nothing and it would have been a hit. Yeah. But the fact is, you have to, you, I have a fingerprint, you have a fingerprint. Although we're unique, we share the same human values. I'm terrified about the world. I'm mad that my gas is $7 a gallon. I'm worried about the air. I'm terrified for the next generations after us. We all share that. And we're mostly sliding along, pretending that we're okay, as long as we have our music. For me, it's on when, I, when I'm on the freeway. And at 70, well, I'm, I gotta keep the highway patrol happy. At 65, Exactly 65 <laughs> miles an hour. That keeps me going. And I do the hand gestures and people in the cars think, whoa, what happened to her? What was in her <laughs> coffee this morning? But it's wonderful to have music. They're my, the songs are my friends. They're my family. And I long to hear the new ones where there's a title or a line that just is so strong I have to pull over to the side of the road and take a breath. That is what we're all looking for. You know, I've I think I've talked about that on this on this show before, but I've I can remember the last time that that happened to me. What um, was the song? It was um by the head and the heart. It was back in two thousand and twelve and it was um Oh, God, I cannot remember it right now. Well, you had uh, the experience. Oh, but I just remember this this lyric of 
there are stars up above, but the just the the power of the voice that the that sang those lyrics and um and I just remember just I had to, I was on my way home from work and I can remember everything so vividly and I just I remember getting home and my girlfriend at the time and I was just like I am gonna sit down at the, with the guitar for the rest of the evening and and pluck out and figure out this song, although I can't sing it. I, I learned it just be, and it's been a song that I just absolutely have loved for so long. Unfortunately, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, I well, love those moments. I love those moments too. And I especially, I'm especially fond of the calls and emails and texts I get from people I don't even know who say, you wrote my song. That's my song. Yeah. Thank you for writing my song. What do you mean your song is my song? But <laughs> we all share the certain sentiments. Yeah. And that's how we connect with the world. And it's like joining hands, if you forgive the cliche. But I'm not, I don't know that I would invite Putin in for coffee, but I sure have a wide open door and beds and sofas anytime anybody from the Ukraine wants to come over. And I'd love we to hear that. I haven't written it yet, but um, that's where our connectivity is. That we all share that. I drive by and I see blue and yellow flags on the lawn. And um, I was involved in a terrible mess in Montecito when everything was on fire, when the ground was unstable and it rained and the mud came down and there were there were cars. You know how big a sedan is? They were sliding down the mountain and blocking the roads. Hmm. I remember being part of that. And we all wore, the survivors wore a blue uh, wristlet, Montecito Strong. And I remember wearing that with such pride that when the fire department said, get out, of, evacuate now, I evacuated. And the people who didn't, of them, of the 10,000 people in Montecito, 23 of them died because they didn't evacuate. So I'm a survivor in every way. When you tell me to evacuate, I leave. And then I write about it when I get back. Oh, God, I just, that, that, those kinds of experiences just have to be a treasure when you get through them and on the other side of them for a songwriter. Um, yeah, let me I've just got, share yeah, one more please. thing with you about that event. Please. I was living in Steppenwolf's guest house, and that's a, that's a movie. But anyway, <laughs> I woke up very early in the morning, and the air in my kitchen was brown. It was brown. And there was a knock at the door. It was a short little fire department lady saying you have to you have to get out of here i said okay i'll take a shower and have breakfast and i'll come and she just yanked my shirt and i could barely reach my purse and we just got out of there so i'm here i'm meant to be here i'm meant to do something and in my book insider secrets to hit songwriting in the digital age I talk about using your extraordinary adventures in your songs. 
I mean, that seems to me to be the key is using both the personal experience and the imagination yes. to to get it down on paper. Because if you're a younger songwriter, obviously you might not have the experience, so then you've got to rely on more of the imagination. But then as you kind of progress through life, maybe that equilibrium starts to shift towards your experience versus the imagination and just kind of using the imagination to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's. Um, we've mentioned well, I that- agree with you, Corey, but I also think that as artists in any genre, in any field, we take the truth and make it big enough to fill the screen. That's a really good So he could it. be just a nice guy you met at Trader Joe's. Oh, look at that. Well, by the time you're finished your song, he's some colossal love of your life. You know, don't write the fives, write the plus or minus 15s. Well, and we can all relate to that, right? Because we've all had that experience where you meet somebody and then all of a sudden you're like, I think that was the one. That was the one. (laughs) You can't breathe. You can't speak. My friend Joni said it to me this way. She says, I have a law degree. I speak five languages. I have 43 lawyers working for me. I've traveled the world on my president's commission for this and that. But when I meet a guy, I can't even finish a simple sentence waiting for him to call. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Those are the those are the things that we're looking for as listeners, and I'm sure the same things you're looking for as a songwriter. Um, the book Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, we hope, is going to be hitting sales August 23rd. That's going to be in just a couple of weeks from when this episode comes out. Molly Lakin, I enjoyed this so much. Thank you for your time, your knowledge, your experience, and most importantly, your songs. Thank you, Corey. And I invite everybody to come visit me at songmd.com, where I'm offering a free 15-minute song consultation until my book comes out. Thank you so much to Molly. If you're a songwriter, I implore you to go take her up on that free 15-minute consultation. And of course, be on the lookout for the book on the 23rd. Thank you for listening, and as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Get your song facts right here. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 